Before this episode of Synchronic Cinema, I want to pay my respects to a friend of mine. On the night of January 27th, I received the news that a dancing fireman pictures friend and ally, Sandy Crisp, aka the Goddess Bunny, had passed away from the COVID-19 virus. Sandy was someone I had only known for the last seven months of her life, yet she profoundly touched my life, as she did with anyone who was lucky enough to call her a friend. This feels like it was not supposed to happen because Sandy had so much more planned, but I also feel so incredibly grateful I was able to call someone larger than life like the goddess a friend. Goddess Bunny was a massive inspiration to me, blending the fantasy and the reality to the absolute extreme, and being able to be swept up into her incredible world was an absolute honor to me. The first time I had Sandy on my radar, a friend of mine was showing me bootleg footage of her tap dancing on YouTube in his basement when I was a teenager, and that beautiful footage never left my psyche. As the years went on, I became aware of the Goddess Bunny and her legacy here in LA. Of course, if you knew Sandy, you knew she was the last glamour star of Hollywood, and you also knew her as a myth. I really wasn't sure if she was still alive. I would just see her pop up from time to time all over old Los Angeles photos with anyone you could think of. There she always was, strung out looking as happy and festive as ever in her wheelchair. I was walking to my car in East Hollywood seven months ago, and out of nowhere I had a passing thought in my head about the Goddess Bunny and where she could possibly be today. Just a passing thought, and the same day I had looked up local Los Angelinos and that were running for office in the upcoming election. Lists after list of people. I look at the ones running for president of the United States and thought how everyone on this list must be someone interesting to look into. Sure enough, I see the name Sandy Crisp and a cell phone number next to it. I do a quick Google search and my mind was rocked. Sandy Crisp was the goddess bunny and she was alive. And not only was she alive, she was running for president of the United States of America. I immediately dial up the number, not even knowing what I'm going to say, and a voice picks up. Hello? I was instantly starstruck. I didn't know the future of our relationship, but from that moment on I just ran with the signs and I knew things happened for a reason and I knew we were on the phone together for a reason. She tells me she needs a publicist for her campaign and I immediately agree. She then promises me I would be the new Secretary of State once we win this election and that I would have my own suite in the White House. I was, of course, in. I couldn't imagine a better future. I was unemployed at the time, and I was living like trash. I thought maybe it was time I lived in glamour, and Sandy somehow had this ability to make you believe in the impossible. She told me she had to trust me for our election bid to work, and I completely understood. That meant for the next two weeks, every day, Sandy would be calling me and telling me her life story. This happened almost every day for the next two weeks. She invited me into her beautiful fantasy, and I would listen to everything on the edge of my seat. I don't really care to this day what was true and what wasn't. It's all true because the goddess says it is. It's all true. She was born on top of the Ferris wheel on the Santa Monica Pier. Ron Howard, Tom Cruise, and Donald Trump blow up her phone for blowjobs constantly. She was secretly working with Nancy Pelosi, calling all the shots behind the scenes. And she was Hollywood's biggest A-list celebrity because she said she was. I also told her everything going on in my life. She knew everything about me and we knew everything about each other. She deeply cared about me and she had a massive heart and always checked in with me. She knew 
she was a star, but knew how to make you feel like one too. She then trusted me to give her her first official election interview, and I did. The word was out that goddess money was in the ring. We sadly lost the election to Joe Biden, and she elegantly conceded, but Sandy will always be my president. After the election, Sandy would call me and send me scripts she had been writing for a TV show she wanted me and other friends of hers to star in, and then I would film them for her. I was honored that she had been writing them, and she wanted me to start filming them with her as soon as they would let me into the, her assisted living space. These scripts were scripts and stories about her life. Um, they were absolute poetry. They broke my heart, and as of now, the world might never be ready for them. Sandy was someone who didn't see a wall. She was someone who overcame pretty much anything you could ever name. And until the moment she passed, she was happy and brave. The idea that she couldn't accomplish something didn't register to her because she could accomplish anything if she believed she could, and she did. Sandy is the actual embodiment of the impossible. Everyone close to Sandy has endless stories, and I've been excited to hear them all. If you were a friend of Sandy, you weren't just a friend, you meant everything to her. The world will never know another goddess bunny, I'll always hold you close to my heart. Her dying wish was to be buried in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery where she belongs next to her hero Judy Garland. There is a GoFundMe right now that you can donate called the Goddess Bunny Memorial Fund and it can be easily found by doing a quick Google search. Please consider donating to this for someone who was larger than life. This is the Goddess Bunny's final message from the ICU. consider donating to Sandy's Memorial Fund. And please everyone, take COVID seriously, and please everyone stay safe. Now, let's get back to this month's episode. Alright, welcome to this month's episode of Synchronic Cinema, brought to you by Dancing Fireman Pictures. I am your host, Case. Uh, this is episode three, so now we're really moving. Uh, so while the virus keeps on blazing, I'll be cracking out some episodes as we stay inside and try to figure ourselves out. This one's a very exciting episode, of course. This month we have artist, musician, and filmmaker 
one of the great auteurs going at it in Los Angeles right now. There's nothing she can't do. She can't be stopped. And I hold a lot of respect for this person. Uh, this interview has been a long time coming. But we have Charlotte Okoli here today. So let's get into it. Yo. Yo, good morning. <laughs> hey. How are you? I am pretty tired, to be honest with you. You need to get jacked up on coffee. No, dude, I can't. Every time I drink coffee, I just have, like, a panic attack. <laughs> so It I'm shoots getting... out your nervous system? Yep. So I am getting <laughs> jacked up on Aquafina right now. Oh, very healthy. Uh-huh. Thanks uh, for sending me King Baby. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Uh, of course. Great so, yeah. Um, let's uh talk about Here, let me let me talk about really quick like my background with you. So, with me, okay. <laughs> wow. Uh Yeah, so let's see. You I when I was filming, when I was filming that film, I was there were a couple people that were like, oh, like, um, do you know who Charles is? Like, Charles is this person making films, too. And I was like, I don't know who Charles is. Like, I don't know what that means. And and uh, Superstar also was like, oh, yeah, this person, Charles, is like, you have to check out their films. And I was like, okay, like, for sure. And he shows me, like, a photo of you. And I'm like, oh, I know this person. And Whoa. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I didn't, but I didn't, I didn't know you as, like, the name Charles or anything. I was just like, oh, shit, like, yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but then I was like, and then I remembered, okay, like, yo, like, you're, like, I, I, I remember in, in high school back when, <laughs> uh, Maybe I'll bleep out his name in the interview, but my friend was like, uh, like super obsessed with this girl, <laughs> and oh my god, <laughs> yeah, oh my, oh my uh, god, I'm, I, I, I'm sorry, keep going. This is blowing my mind. <laughs> and I remember he would always, yeah, okay, so he would always tell me about this. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably bleep his name out, but. Um, he would always tell me about this girl. He was like, he was like, oh, this person, like, I don't know. It was like this, like, kind of vampiric kind of, like, attitude toward this person. (laughs) And, and he, like, had, uh, he'd, like, he had, like, like, he had taken a knife and he had cut his hand. And he's like, I'm going to show her this, this, (laughs) this cut on my hand. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, do I? Oh, my God. And, and I remember, and then he came, I was like, how did it go? He came back to school the next day. And I was like, oh, how did it, how did it go? And he looked, he looked really sad. And he was like, he was like, um, yeah, like, I don't, she, she rejected me. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, and then he's like, but she wants, she wants me to come back 
and and she would she's gonna film the scene in her film, and we're gonna reenact what happened. And I was like, oh, I feel so bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that you, is so is that story true <laughs> it's 100 percent true i'm sorry you just blew out every season my nervous system i can't believe i'm hearing that from somebody else i th- i mean that's just something <laughs> that you think happens to you that no one it could never be it could never be real i remember being at one of his shows <laughs> And it was the only time in my life I've probably ever gotten drunk because I'm a complete wimp. And he came out, I was super drunk, he was drunk, and he took this knife out of his pocket and he just started cutting his hand down the center. It was so grotesque. And then he he um he wanted to smear the blood all across my face, which I guess was yes, some sort yes. of symbol of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I of love, I guess you could say. But I remembered that, and I have photos of me somewhere with his blood smeared across my face without realizing what was happening. But yes, all everything you just said, completely true. Do you know where he is now? I heard that he I heard that he moved to Ohio to star in an <laughs> opera. First, first of all, he's like a genius. Like, but... Um, yes, he, of course he is. Uh, um, I, I, I hear... I would run into him at like raves and stuff, you know, like after high school, like yeah. Um, and then I would get like you know, uh, word that he was like living in Russia or, you know, um, <laughs> I I kind of <laughs> I kind of just like let it um you know happen. I I I I always think he was more of like a myth than like the truth. And he always had these stories where everything was like either you know it was you knew it was either. A, it was so crazy. It was either a story or true. And then you would find out some of it was true. And then you'd find out some of it was, was like, wasn't. <laughs> the tale is all this time. Oh, he's so yeah. funny. I, I think I quote him daily. I used to give him these assignments over email where I just say, I, I need you to give me 50 Facebook statuses. It can be anything, but I just want you to freeform think. And he would, he would email me back with 50, you know, hypothetical Facebook statuses, and they would just be so funny, the things that he would say. They made no sense, but they made complete sense, and it, it's it's poetry. So I, I quote those emails from him all the time. I love I wrote a whole movie for him that I pitched to Santa Monica College, which, of course, got rejected immediately. Of course, but, yeah. uh, they weren't ready. It was they weren't ready for it, and I'm <laughs> glad that they weren't. I'm glad that that movie wasn't made. Like, was that was that the so okay? But I do remember when he said that. I remember thinking, oh, like this person's tight. Like the fact that they just kind of rejected him and then wanted to make a movie about it. <laughs> like, oh god, it was, it, it was I'm working like, on that quality. That's what, that's not one of my best qualities, but I do, yes, that I did do that. I didn't but, think you know, it was, was cool. Him, though. It was cool. It was cool though because I because I I when when I had seen when people were showing me photos of you again, and I was like, oh god, like this person's like still with it, you know, like you're still um, making films and stuff, and that was like rad. And then I checked out your work, and I was like super bored by it. 
So, but was that like how long were you making um, films? Like, were you just starting during that time? Man, um, I mean, I don't even consider myself to have made a film at this point. But um, when I was about eight, I got one of those iMac computers that had one of those eyesight cameras. And it was one of the first computers to have photo booth on it, I'm pretty sure. And that was the day that I decided I wanted to, you know, put on a show and make movies. I spent all my time in front of that computer just on photo booth trying to make movies and dressing up as characters. But I really didn't like being in things myself, so I would try to get my my step-siblings to be in it, and they were reluctant, of course. And then that's uh-huh. when I discovered claymation, which I think I lost about five years of my life to claymation. And um, I also discovered pornography at around the same time. So from around ages, you know, <laughs> 8 to 13, I had a little station in my room where I would make very elaborate claymation pornography. And that sort of, you know, kicked me off, you know, as a uh-huh. quote-unquote director. Yeah. And then, I don't know, I feel like I've just, I'm like everyone else. I just have a lot of things I want to do that I don't do. And I'm just trying to film, you know, life as it is on the streets and just as people that I know and have, you know, little minute-long videos. But I haven't really made any film films yet. I would like to. No, I, I know, for sure. Well, I mean, you're you you are you're working on one. We can talk about that. Um, yeah. A little later, but. Fine. Um. And do you still have the like the the porn claymations? You know what? I have the tapes, but I need a specific <laughs> cartridge to put into my my tape player so I can play them, which you know, maybe I'll save for. Yeah. Uh, a rainy yeah. day. But I do. I have them. But like so. But you've also been, you know, making a lot of music. Like what? What's um. Like, do you? Do, is it a separate kind of part of the brain when you're when you're like doing them? Hmm. Well, because you kind of have like a unified aesthetic going on, like in your work. I think um, they all kind of like is like, uh, you know, talking back and forth to each other. I think. I, yeah, I think they're very much a part of the same thing. And to be completely honest, the only reason why I started making music was because I I was sort of a compulsive, like, I need everything I do to be 100% me working on it. I don't want to use other people's music. So yeah, I, I just thought, I want to have, I didn't have any connections. I didn't know any bands. So I was just thinking to myself, what can I use as fuel to sort of make music? Luckily, I was remarkably heartbroken at the time. So I just thought, hey, I want to make a music video. I should just try and make music. That seems easy. So I I just started doing that. And I just, yeah, I just did it because I wanted to make a music video. And I wanted musical content to make film, like shorts for and all that stuff. So film, film was kind of always like first in your mind? Always. I can't believe that I make the fact that anyone would ever associate me as being an, a musician is incredible because I have imposter syndrome 
I'm a, I'm a complete um, arrogant <laughs> asshole when it comes to filmmaking, even though I haven't done anything. I think I'm like a genius in that realm. But the thought that I'm even called a musician is hilarious to me. Like I would just never have dreamt in a million years that there would yeah. be that association. What about well, you? It's the same. It's the same world, you know. Um, I don't really work. I don't take my music that seriously. I was in like a black metal project, but it's not like part of the cool. same world as my films. <laughs> or maybe it is. You know, I don't know. I, I love that question. genre of music. <laughs> Very cinematic. That's yeah, cool. I um, yeah, I, I don't know. Let's talk about the, the pure uh, imagination short film. Because what I'm... Okay. Also, like, do you... But also before, like, are you still interested in, in making music or is it just kind of like something that you're just casually doing? I love making music and I and I only can do it when I have the emotional fuel for it. I have no pressure from anyone except maybe my mom to do it. <laughs> my mom's always like, You should give up the 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 video stuff and just make music and go to your day job. I'm like <laughs> No. <laughs> um, anyway, but what was I saying? I love making music, but I don't force it. So it's just always kind of something I'm doing for fun when I have the time. Sure, sure. But and I have just a, like I do have new music coming out soon, which is weird. Oh, word, word, cool. Um, do you like how? So the the pure like what you're? I mean, you're you're like kind of a comedian, like <laughs> you're you know. Um, which is like you know, super kind of hard to to pull off. I think like writing, like even writing comedic dialogue, <laughs> is like a really hard thing. And when I saw the the pure imagination short, I was like, you know, it takes a lot for me to be like, oh, something is funny. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm I'm getting this. Like I know exactly what <laughs> you're, you're you're doing. That's so cool. And fuck, that's amazing. It's it, not you know meditated humor. <laughs> kind of, kind of like a, I don't know, uh, like a tragedy. Really, it's just kind of like a tragic. It absolutely uh, is. Yeah, this idea to be like a kind of, you know, your the comedy is like very just kind of like, like almost like a second kind of thought, which makes it even funnier. Can you talk about the lead in the in the pure imagination short? Yeah, do you, I assume that you mean the man himself, not the pelican man, the human. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I'm so, I think it's so great that you think it's funny because, I mean, we were, I was just trying to put my friends in a situation that was funny. There was no premeditated writing of jokes or, or comedy per se, but oh. I just know that when I'm like hanging out with those people, no matter what we do it's going to be hilarious because we're just laughing and it, it's not serious but um mm -hmm. flannery is just this guy that i know from around town he's sure. all over the map and he's just one of those people that right when i met him 
I instantly hated him, and then about five minutes later, completely changed my mind and and just knew for a fact that I was going to know him for the rest of my life, whether I liked it or not. But I I needed to make things with him because he's just like a he's a vessel into the past, and and he reminds me so much of this world in New York that I love of comedy and and old Hollywood, Jerry Lewis. And I don't know, it's hard to explain. I just, I love that guy. He's so yeah. talented. He's truly yeah. just not from this time, but not in a, not in a Hollywood Boulevard corny way. Like he's em- trying to emulate somebody else. He just is truly from another time. <laughs> yeah. He's like a, he's literally like a vaudeville time traveler. But yeah. He's just from another dimension and he does his own thing. <laughs> <laughs> but so so do you guys were you guys like going back and forth like there was so there's no like written dialogue or anything I gave them a very rough outline about what was happening I I basically showed up to quote unquote set which was just my friend's apartment <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. we had I guess <laughs> we had probably a thousand dollar budget to do that I think I spent it all on that on the makeup artist and maybe it, you know, some food for everyone. It it wasn't like a, a production, but I didn't have a plan for the story and I just won it. And I, when I look back at that movie, I realized it was 100% about what I was going through at the time in my relationship. Just, just uh-huh. extreme, extreme heartbreak, infidelity. Mm-hmm. And I was just lamenting. I knew that that was probably the last, week that I would be with that person because I was about to do this big breakup myself. And Uh I think that it just sort of, it's just a time capsule for me of what I was going through. So I, you know, I was having them act out these extremely dramatic sequences where, you know, one was walking in on the other one, having an affair and fighting. And then other bits of it were just like parts of old Jerry Lewis movies that I loved. You know, it just didn't, I wasn't really thinking about what it was at the time, but then it just course, it just yeah. did make sense somehow. Yeah. I the more I plan things, the less they make sense. The more free I feel, and the more I'm bullshitting, the the better things turn out. I feel it's a horrible, <laughs> horrible curse. I'm hoping to reverse yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, that's okay. I don't know. Things are natural. Things happen. Like. That's, I, I didn't I didn't realize it was like and, you know I think it's honestly even funny I, I'm sorry that you were going through. Uh, oh no, it's okay. But it's pleasure but, to through that. I I, I I hate to say that it kind of makes it funnier. No, I'm glad. I, I, um, I remember yeah. showing it to the people right after, and they were like, "You realize that." Like, don't you think people are going to be mad at you for <laughs> pretty much dramatizing this? I'm like, oh, I didn't even think of that. But I guess, I guess well, it's completely no, no. true. What? Who would? Why would people be? I don't. Why would they be mad? <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know. People are private people, and they don't want they don't want dirty laundry being aired out. But I just thought no, what I was doing was for, funny for sure. And like fun for thing. Sure, but... <laughs> There's no way someone's watching that and going like, "Oh, this is you." I mean, right? No, and it's not. Yeah, it's, it's really not. 
Yeah. Like I yeah. never I never got in a fight on the front lawn of an apartment building either. Like it's not it's not really me. It's just the emotional you know, it's just pieces. Pieces. Yeah. But I love those guys. No matter no matter what I shoot whatever you do of yeah. of Flannery, it's just like it doesn't matter. It's just gonna be good. I know that for a fact. There's a one hundred percent success rate. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so let's, let's talk about the misunderstanding. Yeah. <laughs> unless, you don't want, unless, you don't, unless you don't want to. <laughs> but. No, I, I'm more than happy to. I, I just hope I don't disappoint you with my lack of exciting news, but go for it. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't know if I'm necessarily, I think, okay, to to me, like the film has like, you know, just like I started, I was just started following your work after people um, were just telling me too and and um it's the it i i kind it's of love that this film just seems kind of like a um <laughs> i don't know how to it's i mean i know you're super influenced by like jerry lewis and stuff and it, it, it feels like a day the clown cried kind of thing <laughs> it, 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 because it, it'll it, never like, come out yeah yeah well i, yeah, I mean it, it i hope not. i <laughs> like there's bits and pieces that kind of show up, you know, on your on your Instagram or whatever. But it, <laughs> um, let's 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 talk about it. Let's talk about uh, like what, <laughs> where, how did it start, and like what what are what are the clips that that you've shown so far? I've shown, I think I've shown four clips, but the main. The main three clips are just introducing the main three characters. Yeah. Which is of Flannery. And then you have uh, Dan Kapelovitz. And then you have John Clark Levin. And these three guys are roommates in this movie. And none of them... It's They're all practically playing themselves, I guess you could say. Sure. <laughs> um... What was the question? <laughs> oh, just, <laughs> um, just, just like the background of the film. So, like, okay, God, I mean, it's so everything. Want, when, did you, like, when did you start working on it? Okay, oh, it's complicated, but I guess when I was in high school, I had, I was joking around with someone, and I said it would be really funny if someone. It's so hard to talk about because. I everyone tells me that this has been done. They tell me that this has been done in another in like five other movies. So like when people ask me what it's about, it really has nothing to do with the plot. Like I had to put in a plot, but basically it's about nothing and you're just having a good time watching these guys move at an extremely fast pace through their experiences. So it really it's completely arbitrary that it's that it's about what I'm about to say, and I know it's not original, but I had an idea when I was in high school at the time that it would be really funny if someone tried to hire someone to kidnap them, but through some sort of misunderstanding, they got kidnapped for real. And every time I tell people that, they say, that sounds just like that movie Escape Room or The Game with Michael Douglas, (laughs) neither of which I have seen. And 
I love Michael Douglas. I want to watch it, but I'm afraid to watch it because I'm I'm too afraid of it being too similar now. But basically, I had that no, little idea connected in my head. <laughs> Sorry. Don't watch it because it's like as soon as you watch it, it's like you know it it's over. You know, like you're gonna start like comparing it and stuff. I mean, I love Michael Douglas so much. So on that level, I want to see it. And I wish Michael Douglas would be in my next movie after. Like, <laughs> this this movie is my movie I'm trying to get done. And then and then my Uncut Gems movie is, is the one I'm going to do with Michael Douglas. It's going to be a 10-year-long process <laughs> to get made. How long, um, how long has this process been? Well, I mean, I've only been writing it. I mean, I started writing it probably two and a half years ago and then did about, I think there's been about four drafts, five drafts maybe. And I've like completely let it go since quarantine because I sent it off to people as, as you know. And so I haven't, I haven't looked at it since then. So I guess it was about maybe a year and a half I worked on it actually, but yeah, it came about through that small idea I had in high school, and then I sort of developed it further about these guys trying to do an escape room situation, and they're all dumbasses, and there's just a huge misunderstanding about something, and it's just a big, big old hilarious situation, but also quite dark Hilarity. Yeah, just I love those three guys so much. Like when I met Flannery, I knew practically right away. I was like, I need to make something with this guy. When I met John Clark Levin, he was visiting my my history class in high school because he was like an <laughs> alumni or something of my school, and I couldn't believe his personality. Like I I seriously could not believe that he was a real person, the way that he spoke and the way that he carried himself. He he had been a contestant on Jeopardy and like his personality is like he was possessed by Benjamin Franklin or something in the best way possible. He's so professional all the time. I can't imagine him like having a bowel movement. Sorry, John Clark, if you are listening to this program, which I doubt you are, you're probably playing Scrabble. But and then Dan Kapelovitz was my next door neighbor when I lived in West Hollywood. And he he started this religion based on the Partridge family, if you're familiar with that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> 70s TV show, he started a giant religion revolving around it. And they believe David Cassidy is like the son of God. And that Shirley Jones is like Mary Magdalene. It's so in depth, and he his whole house is like a church for it. And I don't know. I just had these three guys, and I was like, I know that I need to make something with all three of them, even though they don't really know each other. Let's put them in a room and see what happens. And it's I'm so excited about it. They're so so entertaining. So I mean, this. This, so there's not like a script kind of it's more just like let's kind of see what happens like when you put these people in a in a room together well there is there is a very very detailed script for this project but the time okay. for the things that I've shot um those are just more promotional sort of videos they're not taken they're not scenes 
from the film it, itself. So those oh. I'm just sort of getting together for them for an hour or something, and I'm I'm sort of prompting them with questions, and and then I, I go home and cut it, you know, for 20 <laughs> minutes, and then it's on Instagram. It's not it's not uh, a big deal. Uh, the but the, the, the Betty Boop that Betty Boop bit was like <laughs> so good. <laughs> well, thanks. I, I forgot. Yeah, that was the fourth one, I guess. By the way. <laughs> This is the longest I have ever talked about myself. This I this is so I I feel like self conscious, like I'm droning on and on about myself. So I'm very interested in what you do as well. <laughs> oh shit! I'm not um, being interviewed by people. <laughs> um, you don't have to say anything in that in that space of time. I'm just letting you know that that is what I how I feel. It's very strange to talk about yourself for that extended period of time. I don't know. You have a question for me? Not yet. I will. <laughs> but feel free oh, and to then, chime um, in about yourself. Well, you know, I'm super. I actually, you know, I'm. I was. I was. I. I felt like a really big like kinship to the way that you were casting too, and I was like because the whole time I was making King Baby. I was casting, like, a lot. You know, it was just my friends who were in the film. Plus, right. uh, you know, Superstar, who I'd seen on YouTube, and I was I was having a lot of trouble with, like, who I wanted the Jesus Christ character to be, and, like, I knew mm-hmm. I wanted it to be, like, someone who, who kind of, like, embodied that in his real life. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my God. Well, you did a perfect job. <laughs> um and and yeah and, and and he so and then and then like while we were so I, I flew him out from Nebraska to shoot the film and while we were filming he he would just talk he would like talk about not like not like talk about you a lot but like saying there's someone else like you know like ca- casting like this like you know and and I was like oh that's, oh, that's how, like how well do you guys like know each other um. I I wouldn't say that we really do. I a couple of years ago I played a show at Zebulon in Los Angeles. He was on the bill and I I I I met him that night and I remember he was dancing like he truly did not give any fucks at all and Oh he does that was that was great. <laughs> He's so so interesting and cool. I love his music. Yeah, he. You yeah. can tell when people are really just themselves. I don't. I don't want people to think that I'm like trying to, you know, magnet eccentric people. I just like people that are really very much themselves. He he just is that, and that's so cool. Yeah, and I, you know, I can't. I, I, I love him. I can't say like enough nice things about him. And he, he's someone I wish was around more. You know, like he, oh, like know. Just, he lived in Nebraska, but yeah, um, he's trying to. He's been trying to come to LA, but yeah, I mean, he's like he was such. I was having such problems casting that role, and the whole mm-hmm. film was completely different before he was in that role. And he just changed. Mm-hmm. You know, he made that film for me, and he changed how I was thinking about it and, you know, and I was super happy just like, like having him in that role is like, 
such an honor to me. I completely understand. I think that having the right muse is probably the most important thing. If it's someone that yeah, and is exciting, you, like a lead is it's a hard thing for sure. Yeah, I don't I don't know how people do it. I mean when you think about movies that you really love, it's so hard to imagine switching any anybody out of the parts that they have. Like it just seems like it would have been a a bad movie basically. So I feel yeah, like yeah. It's, it's there's so much fate involved in that kind of thing and if you're if you're attracted to someone on that level, you just need to make shit with them. I, I hope you guys make more stuff. Yeah, I I I hope. Yeah, I, that's that's yeah, that's exactly what it is. I mean, it, it, you know, be, surrounding yourself with people is just as important as like making the film, and you know, like almost like building that world around you too is like extremely that beco- that becomes the film, you know. Mhm. Definitely. Like the, Do you have? Sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was just wondering, have you been making things during quarantine? What has that been like for you? Dude, oh, man, um, it it's been so bad. It's been horrible. I was I was ready. I was like pretty ready to go before quarantine for my next feature. And yeah. everything, you know, it shut down everything, and I'm still kind of just like waiting for things to to open back up, you know. I mean, the film is ready to go, yeah. like the script is ready to go, and everything is ready. But I can't risk the people in it, like their health, because some people of are, course, yeah. you know, some people are. Uh, you know, older than, than like 65. So. Right. Of course. But, like you don't want to feel inhibited. Like you want to feel uninhibited when you're, when you're working, of course. So you don't want to be worried about, about harming anyone. So of course. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you have any interest in filming during quarantine? Cause like right now I'm just like so bummed about everything. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I don't think I'm just kind of waiting. On, I'm just playing the waiting game. Yeah, I, I, with the with with the misunderstanding that that's at a complete halt for me. But I have really tried to get out there as much as I can, and you know shoot things in public and just sort of try to churn things out to keep my head thinking that way because if I'm not working on something and I feel I I just feel useless so I'm always just trying to make stuff but as far as the feature there's not exactly there's you can't go much further than where we've already gone as far as you can't really pre-produce anything in quarantine either. So it's like yeah. just, you know, making sure that your script is solid. And and then, yeah, like that thing I shot with Flannery um, with the Betty Boop. <laughs> that was in quarantine. That was in a crazy situation. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to shoot on the street as much yeah. as I can. I just, I, just little I'm, pointless things. Well, what did you say? Just little things that are pointless. 
just to yeah. so I have something to work on for fun. I I don't know. I'm constantly. I I love trying to like you know do the impossible, and I think you know I I'm kind of romantic in that way about making films is like just deeming them as the impossible, but you still have to mm-hmm. do it. So I'm constantly frustrated during quarantine. Like I wake up every morning and I'm so like frustrated, but you know, that's also like, I'm on, I'm not dead. <laughs> you know, people like, I, I, you know, yeah. people are like, but, but it's also a nice kick in the ass because when we can make stuff again, I think we're not going to take it for granted. Like when I look back at pre quarantine, mm-hmm. I'm like, how was I not getting so much more done? Because like now I think, fuck, if coronavirus would just end, I would be like, it would be go time. I would be shooting every day and making it happen. So it's like nice to sort of have that kick in the ass, but I just, we don't know when, when the gates are going to open again, but hopefully soon with the vaccine, I hope that you can get it soon. And I hope your, your cast can get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. It's, like, I've been doing, like, location scouting, and it's, like, uh, you need COVID permits and all that. I don't I don't know what the fuck that shit is. Like, I don't know what a COVID permit is, you know? You need uh, you need permits just to look at a place? No, just or you to mean you have to have a permit to shoot. Right, 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 right. But it's, like, there's this new thing called, like, COVID insurance, and I, I don't, you know, I don't even use permits for to begin with, so it's, like, I don't know what COVID insurance is. <laughs> I can't, you know, I don't know. It's just... Right. They have actual designated COVID officers that are, like, licensed in COVID regulations that you are technically supposed to have. And, yeah, the second that that started becoming an issue, I just, I had no idea how to really find someone to do that. And it just sort of you know, it it puts a pin in my balloon because it becomes just too much. Do you think your film's going to kind of, like, mutate now? You know, like, kind of mutate and change because of, like, quarantine? Because of quarantine? Um, I don't... God, I mean, it might. I mean, depend... Or maybe not. I mean, I feel like if people are vaccinated, then... And if everyone in a production is vaccinated, then there's really no reason for anything to change. I mean, things are always evolving up until the last cut of your movie, of course, I <laughs> assume. But, like, I think that if everyone's vaccinated, there's no reason. I mean, I think that the worst thing about this is that I'll have lost some of my initial joie de vivre about it. Like, I'll just be so, like, exhausted from this last year that I won't be as excited to start working on something again. That was, like, an idea from two years ago. But hopefully, like, when I yeah. start it, I'll just be, like, so, you know, I take it back. That's probably complete bullshit. I'm so excited to work on it. I hope that, like, I hope I just don't lose my vision for it is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Of course. Like, I hope course. it's as fresh in my mind as it was a year ago when I thought I could start. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for you. I mean, the hammer came down, like, really hard, like, as soon as you were starting. I know. It's it's funny promoting 
a movie that you haven't even shot. <laughs> no, but I, 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 I so backwards. It, it makes it feel like it's like this mythos, you know, and and when it <laughs> yeah. comes out, you know, it's, it's going to be great. And you, I don't know, playing on that, you know, funny. What's the name of the movie that you're, your feature? Oh, um, The Absence of Milk in the Mouths of the Lost. <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> yeah, it's... What um, genre, if you if you can describe? Um, yeah, this might be the first time I'm actually talking about it on on a on a on a record. On um, air. It, it, on air. Um, this was a film I wrote. When I was, <laughs> this is like a film I wrote when I was like. 17 I think and I've wanted to make it like ever since I was like 17 and Mm -hmm. I I couldn't I I wasn't confident enough to make it so that's why I had to make King Davy first because you know just just to build my confidence kind of Um, Mm -hmm. but this this film this film is is I don't know it, it, it really means a lot to me it's about it's about um all the missing children who live on on uh, milk cartons and like where they live and where they exist, and milkmen who come around and transport um, parents to go uh, be reunited with their kid again. But it's also like a meditation on grief and um, and and hope too, you know, in a situation like that. Wow. Um, That's a serious yeah, and, movie. and the and the casting process is super important to me. And um, I I have Gary, you know Gary Wilson, the yeah yeah. Um, he's the main like milkman who comes to the houses. And, wow, <laughs> he's someone so he's someone I've worked I've worked with before, and he scored one of my short my early short films, and I'm you know I've just been a fan of him like a lot since high school. So it, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. He's the one who's the one at risk. So. Right. He's such a sweetheart. Um, it, he's not, he's not playing Gary Wilson in it. I mean, because your stuff is so, he's, so out there. I could totally he's see like being he, No wigs. No, he, he, I'm, He's playing like an alternate version of himself, where he's like Gary Wilson, but also like his day job is a milkman. That's so cool. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, think, I mean, that, what I, I was also like, you know, like super attracted to your work too, because what you were, you know, what you were doing in it was exactly what I was like. You were letting the people be themselves, and. Mm-hmm you know, and writing kind of around, around that, which is like so important to me. Um, just how much the yeah, person should influence the film. You're, you're inspired by people and you love, you love people's personalities. So it's just the natural way that you make things. Yeah. Do you have, a, yeah. do you tend to write more around reality that way? Or do you completely write things out of thin air sometimes about made up people and made up places i i write extremely bare bones based off off um 
like a complete fantasy. Like this film started in a complete fantasy, like in a creative writing class, like when I was in high school. But, you know, it was like only like three pages. It was like a short story. And mm-hmm. and it's the people, the people who have really, you know, it's fine. The script is done. It's complete. And it's the people around it that I've I've written for and their experiences. Like the main mother is someone who, who I, I've, I, I've hopefully cast it. I'm trying to get her. Um, um, is she someone that you you know day to day, or someone? But is it like you're someone no, more known? No, no. Most this is a weird this is a weird one because most of the time I I just cast all my friends, you know. But right. I feel like I I've, I've kind of just uh, I I when I put them in King Baby, I was like, well, that's who you are in my mind. <laughs> like I I don't know mm. how much I can extrapolate on that. Um, but then, no, this person's new. This is a new, a new person that I've never worked with, who, who just like messaged me that she was like, uh, she heard the title of the film and just wanted to be in it. So I was like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. <laughs> that's but I, didn't, I didn't take it that seriously. But then we started talking a lot, and I was like, oh god, like you're everything I'm looking for in this role. Wow. And yeah, I'm, there's a definite <laughs> metaphysicality to the to the way that things unfold like it definitely seems like things can are are driven by fate a lot of the time whether you believe in it or not it just seems like perfect when it works out it's super spiritual it's like a really spiritual thing you know you can't force it and you know like you can't put like a release date on things and it's crazy just how things like come like come to you you know like it, it it's it's i don't know it's magic honestly like you know there's no better feeling. It's such a weird, perverse thing that we feel compelled to to film other people and to watch it. It's like not. It's simple. We it's super simple. <laughs> but it's whole. Well, it's like know, the best yeah. thing. This idea, this idea of like um, playing God, you know, like it literally being yeah. God and creating a reality with the people around you is like extremely like a sinful thing. <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it's like also the, just the most beautiful thing ever. Like, it, you know, like it, it's like, I, I just feel like I don't understand why everyone is not a filmmaker. I, I, you know, I, I don't understand why, why this isn't like a natural thing for just humans to do. I think everyone fantasizes about it and wants to, and then Maybe. they get lost in 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 the prep of things and they they don't pull it off. But I think I think I mean I feel the same. I'm like I just assume everyone does want to do the exact same thing. It's so weird. <laughs> like it 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 makes you feel alive in the sense that like you can have a thought and then you can hear someone else say it out loud it, it it makes you and your thoughts real and for a lot of people that's not something that has happened it's just like the ultimate acknowledgement of of your what's going on in your mind it's very trippy to to have someone do that it never like it it it, it, it never gets old to me it's just a crazy power play and it's just so cool and it's truly just like loving people too, you know. It's like yeah. it, it, it comes from just a place of just like loving personalities, and you know, 
being and, and also the I mean, the idea to like immortalize something is is mm-hmm. is, is is so wonderful. Yeah. I completely agree. It's just like having a record on video of you pretty much having a great time with people you like. What better gift is there in the world? Like it makes me so happy to watch just even the outtakes of Flannery and Anthony in the car <laughs> screaming at each other just when we were making that movie. Like I was crying and collapsing in the street just having such a good time making that and it's that feeling has stayed in my spine when I when I watch it it's just I get to relive it there's nothing better yeah um wait can you talk about the the, um the trumpet guy that that YouTube video yeah oh Um, (laughs) (laughs) um wait so okay he's in the he's in my movie yeah 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 that's super exciting. That's insane. <laughs> I love him. How did you guys like? How, how did you guys like 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 link? Like how like how did you even figure out how to contact him? <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing that you use the word link because I found him on LinkedIn. I found oh my him gosh! On really? <laughs> yeah, someone. Someone that I I knew thought that they knew someone that might know who he is in New York, but it was all sort of like up in the air if that was even his name. And then I thought that I got his last name wrong, but eventually, like he had a photo on his LinkedIn, and I it was just a miracle that I found him. I had like a rough idea of what what I thought his name was. And, like, I knew what his company was, which made it kind of easier, even though there really isn't a lot of information on his company. Anyway, I I was in high school. Someone emailed me that video, and I just spent, like, the next two years trying to find him. And I did, and then ever since then, I've just been making, like, annual trips to New York to hang with him and, and film stuff. What drew you to the the his his viral video god i mean it just sends body waves of pleasure everything (laughs) about it it's just the most beautiful monologue i think anyone has ever given in all of human history it's better than shakespeare um so there was i was just because i knew i was doing this interview and i was just like yeah (laughs) it's it's so beautiful like the way the way that he rolls into "Who are you?" I'm just like, oh, God. yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh, oh yeah, is he, oh, is he, is he like like what's he like in in? Yes, in the I real feel world? I feel it's very important to clarify that he is the most peace and loving, friendly guy that that I've possibly ever known, and he he was set off. And that was just a very isolated blow up for him. And what you don't see in that video is that he lives in, well, I I won't reveal exactly where he lives, but he lives in Manhattan (laughs) and he lives near a very sacred sort of square that is dedicated to, it's like a Jewish memorial site. And it was on a high holiday. This is what he, how he explained it, I believe. 
and I think you're supposed to be silent during this time. And this trumpet player, he was just, he was blowing his horn, not really giving a shit. And, and so on top of him sort of disgracing the, the sanctity of that site, he was also not the best trumpet player. And he's like such a big music fan, the biggest music fan I've ever met. And so just both of those things together, he, he lost his crackers. He had a moment of weakness. He blew up. And it was worth it because we all got to meet him. But dude, the but thing no. is, like, it's it's so it the the it's just so passionate and so you know and it's like who cares if he was angry? You know, he's believing his truth, and that's like the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, and you know, I don't think that he stands for being rude or or being aggressive. He's not that guy. He's so sweet. He he lives with just his roommate and their cat and they're all peace and love and he just lost it in a moment of passion and you have to respect that anything out of passion i mean who does it you know we have to applaud yeah we all have our moments yeah we we all have our moments and like that was the thing i was like dude like i mean you know i mean maybe i've probably i i'm i'm there i'm pretty much there in my head all the time but i'm just like pretending (laughs) i'm not wow you hold it back Oh yeah, you hold it back oh, yeah. so well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I feel horrible that someone filmed him, but you know, um, I'm like I'm honestly so I'm so happy that you're you're working with him. I was just like, damn, that's like such a good idea. That's like so good. <laughs> like, just yeah, you know, I feel like I, I've exhausted it because it's been so many years and I haven't really made anything substantial with him. It's been like such short trips and. Um, but I'm, I have, I have a couple things. I, I'm talking to, I mean, I haven't written anything for this project, but I have him and Andy Milanakis agreeing to (laughs) be in something. And I'm thinking as father and son, but I haven't, I haven't written anything yet. And technically that would need to be approved. So that's some some gossip for you. But yeah, he's also in the misunderstanding. Yeah, I love yeah. that guy. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I mean. Like that's you know, I mean you finding him on on LinkedIn like out of nowhere. Like seriously, like, you know, when things like that happen, it really means something. So it's like you really need to pursue it because it's like that you know, you you know, you need yeah. to work with him as much. Like people exist, you know, to for us to meet and and you know, create with, and you can't really waste. I don't know. I've been thinking about like mortality a lot, <laughs> because of course, mm-hmm. of the world. yeah. So I get pretty emotional. I get pretty emotional about it. Um, I don't know. Do you think about like mortality a lot? Like just getting all your films out there. You know, like you need to do it. That, that's why I'm frustrated. I think about it all the time, and every time I think about death, that there are only two other things I think of. It's that I haven't, the first thing is I haven't made the misunderstanding, which is so silly because it's like the most trivial point. Like there's no reason for that to exist other than my own amusement. Um, But that's the first thought. And then the other thought is like, oh shit. Like if I died, my mom would be so sad. And I don't, I don't want to make anyone sad. But those are the only two thoughts. The only thoughts. 
Yeah. I'm not really yeah. afraid of it aside from that. Um, if well, I like had made that movie, a, I would probably die happy. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, I think it's a real thing for, like, filmmakers to feel because, you know, making a film is such a long process that it, it's, re- it's really something, like, like, in the back of your mind, you know, like, the, the, the biggest tragedy in the world would be to, like, die without the film coming out. Like, you know? Yeah. And then no one knowing. Huh. Like, that's, like the worst, that's literally, like, the worst thing I can imagine. That's why I feel so compulsive, like, to just film shit, even if it's not really moving anything forward. I just, it's like a compulsive need to to feel like you're getting closer to something because, yeah, I, I mean, there are so many people you know, they want to win an Oscar for best actress. They want to, they want to be a director, blah, blah, blah. And they never do anything. And all of those people live in LA and they just like get over at a certain point. And I just, I never want this to have been a pipe dream. I just can't live with that being like how my yeah. life unfolds. Yeah. And I mean, we've all only been put off a year. Like we'll be fine. We will do it. Yeah, I mean, of course, like, like, you know, it's, it's pretty shocking, like how much how people how many people are like, actually making films here in LA, you know, like that are like, completely taking everything from their own, and like, you know, giving their personality into a film and like completely doing it themselves. Like, it's a small group. It's like, definitely like a small group. I mean, it's, it's because people get hung up on not having the right gear, not having all of the bells and yeah. whistles, and they just need to make shit. That's what I'm saying. Like, even though I'm churning out garbage on a day-to-day basis, like, at least, <laughs> at least I am trying to just make stuff. And everyone, yeah. like, the more you do that and you let go of things not being perfect, like, it will set you in a positive trajectory, I think. I hope so. <laughs> or I else know. this is all pointless. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. It's like people, you know, people are just like throwing down so much money for like a five-minute short. And it's like, I never wanted to do that. I was like, no, like I'm, you know, going to make a feature as my, as my, you know, like, like by the time I, you know, was a certain age. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm terrified of the, I'm just terrified of the ideas of like, you know, making my like first big film by the time I'm like 40, you know, it's like, I don't want that. Like by the time I'm 40, I would rather have like so much under my belt. Yeah. I, I completely feel the same way. And I definitely thought by my, you know, early twenties, I, I would have done more than I've done, but all you can do is is work every day and and just and just make stuff. So I think that we both have the right attitude. I think that we'll I think that we will both succeed because it's like it's not even up for negotiation. Like I love seeing people making stuff with what they have, even if they're shooting yeah. it on their iPhone. I think that like I just have so much respect for that, and yeah. I do not care about the aesthetics or the the cost of of things like if you put something that's entertaining in front of my face if you put <laughs> trumpet fight like that level of entertainment right on my face i do not care if it's shot on a samsung phone or whatever else make just make something 
that is good and go to bed. Yeah, and, you know, it's just, I, I you, you know, just, I get so excited seeing people do that. Like, I will, and there's so little of it, but it's like, I will reach out to you if I see you making films, like, you know, like, on such a, on such, like, a small budget, or just, like, you know, just doing it. Like, that means the world to me, seeing other people do it. Yeah. It's a it's a good kick in the ass because everyone could be we could all be making a film a day if we actually wanted to. Yeah. Technically, like you you could, but we limit ourselves. I try to fight that as best I can and just revert back to how I was when I was eight with an eyesight camera, just like obsessed with it. Yeah, because it's like you know we don't change. We really don't. You know, like. Even, like, even I was the same way. I was making so many films as a kid, and it, it's, it's just never, it's never changed. So maybe that's why, like, like uh, equipment and all that doesn't really mean much to me. Because, like, when I was younger, I was just making things, like, you know, on a, on a camera, just, like, with my brothers in, in costume. That's and good. That's, and, yeah, I don't know. That's just, like, people need to understand that's all, literally that's all what making film is. It's just, like, hanging out with, like with your friends in a costume and playing make believe with a camera. Yeah. Yeah. You you have to preserve that spontaneous fun that you were having when you were a kid. And if you can do that, your stuff is going to be great. <laughs> By my and standard, you- which is not everyone else's. <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> I just want to laugh. When I think when when some when when someone is really you know giving their all and giving like their personality and kind of creating this unified universe like in their films like you really do feel it and it it's like su- it's a super exciting thing to see from someone doing and I am just so yeah. frustrated because I I just want to see more of that in this city like I just and, you know especially for a city that you know is the the film capital I I just really want to see more like unique voices out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how much interest I have just doing like little kind of films right now because my mom, like I want, I need to go like full in with this feature and I'm like so ready for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe I, there I, are I, other I aspects of it. Like maybe there are parts with graphics that you could work on or even like, like I even tried to just shoot the title sequence of the misunderstanding because I, I didn't necessarily need need much to do that like I don't know I'm sure you've gone over a thousand times in your mind but maybe there are like little parts of it that you could do yeah unless if it would entail renting a ton of equipment (laughs) I don't even use a ton of equipment just like my camera and a tripod (laughs) you know what you want to shoot it on like what kind of camera it's not really like what I want to shoot it on. It's just like my the camera. I I just have like a like a digital Sony, and I'm like, okay, you know, this is this is what everything. No, that's amazing. If you yeah. already have what you want, then I would say go for it. Like the thing with me is that I'm worried that I'm gonna shoot one part on this camera, and then I'm gonna test out another camera, and it's all gonna look different. Oh, I don't know yeah. about cameras. 
I don't know anything about animals. That that question gives me so much anxiety when people are like, "What?" Ca-? No, I'm not trying to knock you, but like when people are like, "What camera do you shoot on?" I'm like, literally, like I don't really know. <laughs> no, me too. I'm completely with you. I was asking from a from a student perspective. Like I am really trying to understand those things. I also have impacted in your life. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I just bought my first. Like, I like to shoot everything on the same camera. I have no problem with the camera that I'm using, but, like, I get – I try to do more commercial gigs on the side. And so I bought a Black Magic camera off of a Serbian guy in a parking lot two days ago. And that camera makes everything look like a Porsche commercial. It's so weird. And, like, I have no real interest in that look, really, for my own stuff, but – it's, yeah. it's it's weird, like, using something that is different from what I just use every day. So yeah, I mean, and certain looks can, like, bring bring an inspiration or an idea, like, for sure. Um, like, I'm just not really in the position. Oh, no, not at all, not at all. I, I, <laughs> I didn't, like, I like, didn't uh, color, like, my film, like, at all. I just, like, left it raw. Right, well, because what you're shooting on it, it it's not flat. It doesn't really need to be colored, per se. It's not that kind of camera. Yeah. Like, it comes with color in it. Like, you could touch it up, but, like, when you get that black magic, like, pocket camera or the REI, like, it's so flat. It all looks gray, and it's, like, made to be colored in DaVinci by a professional. And I just have no knowledge... I mean, I've had to do it a little bit at work, but, like, I really don't like doing that stuff. Like, I really, like, oh, the aesthetic details and things like that, I find so tedious and boring. Like, yeah. I just want to put stuff in my computer and then export it a half an hour later. I don't want to. It's just kind of what I do. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Technical questions are scary for me. I'm just like I literally have no idea. Like I just know how oh, to. Oh, don't be scary. I, I, no I just worries. know how to. Work. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Saying like, like, what have you been like watching during quarantine? Man, I was watching the last season of The Bachelor. That was that was crazy as always. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, and then. I've been just re-watching a lot of my favorite movies. Like, I I watched Artists and Models, which is my favorite Jerry Lewis movie, <laughs> a couple days ago. <laughs> I watched the Behind the Candelabra movie before that. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know, just, like, just random movies that are comforting to watch. What about you? Um, I don't know. I just watched. It, I, it, it's weird, I guess, because that's all I can do right now is like just try to watch things to um. Red try to gain attention. Like I feel like doing that's like doing my homework right now. Um, yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm kind of like t- tired of it because I'm just so eager to go shoot. But mm-hmm. yeah, I I just I've been watching. I watched this. I watched some this movie called Blue Sunshine yesterday, which was like some old Glendale film, which was pretty great. Um, I work at Video Tech, so it's like I can. It's called Blue Sunshine. 
I haven't heard of it. Cool. Also, oh, yeah, I, I actually love Video Tech. I'm sorry I still have. I actually stole something from you guys by mistake that is, has now become a sentimental um, object in my home, but what? I'll pay for it if you want me to. We probably replaced it. <laughs> was it a movie? Yeah. It was Miracle Mile. <laughs> Okay, I'll look. I'll look it up today. I'll see what we did. It was it. Miracle Mile, and it's the Bellboy with Jerry Lewis. It's both of them, actually. Oh yeah, we've definitely replaced it. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'll happily uh, pay yeah, for it. I, what does Jerry like? What does Jerry Lewis mean to you? Because he's like someone who, you know, you're like this generation. You're like the next generation of Jerry Lewis. You know, you're like the new Jerry Lewis. Oh my God! How. <laughs> Oh my god, what a statement. I'm blushing. Um I, I don't know, it's like very obvious like how much he means to you. I yeah, I mean I it gets old. I I, I exhaust that a lot, but I <laughs> I don't know. When I was a kid I just there was a video store in my town and I just I think it started with the Stooges and I just started getting really into just sort of, I don't know, my mom wouldn't let me watch anything that wasn't G-rated because she was overly protective, and she would just sort of, like, only let me watch classics and, like, really lighthearted stuff, and I don't know who actually showed him to me, but I just started watching his movies and getting really into them at a young age, and I remember just as a kid genuinely thinking that he was the funniest person in the world, which I, like, my level of appreciation for him now has taken on a completely different meaning. I, I wouldn't say that now. I love him twice as much as I did then, but it's like I embrace the darker side of him as well. That and Like his personal like he doesn't life. Make me laugh. He doesn't make me laugh for the same reason, I guess you could say. Like, I love him more in a king of comedy kind of way as opposed to for his stand-up, but my yeah it's weird talking i i i know for a fact that my grandfather is not going to hear this because he doesn't have social media but my grandfather (laughs) he he's a new york jew he is the he was the staff editor at the friars club magazine he was a stand-up comedian he coincidentally was jerry lewis's opening act on tour and he's essentially just a, a less accomplished version of Jerry Lewis. And they're both named Jerry. It's it's a lot. And I <laughs> Is he really jealous? Know, I'm sure. I'm sure. And he he's just joke after joke. He wants to be Jerry so bad. And I grew up visiting him every few years, but I, I wasn't really aware of the Friars Club, Borscht Belt, Jewish culture, but it was, like, <laughs> sewn into my DNA to love it, so it makes a lot of sense that, like, I naturally gravitated towards Jerry Lewis without realizing that my grandfather had this crazy connection to him, so, but as I got older, I just realized that they were essentially the same guy, and my grandfather, like, won't even talk to me, so, guys like the trumpet fight guy and Jerry Lewis are just sort of like versions of my, my grandfather that 
I have access to. And they remind me of him in a very pleasant way. So it's kind of a weird Freudian thing for me, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah. It's it's definitely she, apparent, for sure. She like, feels like family to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's really the things we watched as kids that, like, I mean, I, I actually, I missed a lot of the Jerry Lewis stuff. I was more, like, watching Marx Brothers and stuff when I was a kid. Oh, hell yeah. But it still it's still like in my DNA I'm not I don't think I'm as overtly uh funny as you in my work like I don't I'm not like I wouldn't say like what I do is it like is comedic even though a lot of people tell me it's funny um that's like the least thing that's like that's not that's not anything I'm thinking in my mind like I'm that's the best thing to be that's definitely the best thing to be is to not really be aiming for it and to just be it are you, are you, yeah, I, I get, but, like, I think when I look at your work, it's, like, to me, it's, like, oh, you're, like, a comedian. You're, like, actually a comedian. And <laughs> I would never, I, I would never, like, is that, like, a, like, is that apparent to you? Like, are you, is, are you, like, oh, I'm making a comedy right now? Because I would never call what, anything I'm doing, like, a comedy. I, I have a very easy time making myself laugh when I'm actually, filming I mean I'm I feel very amused by things generally I am laughing practically all the time even at nothing so I feel like I'm a person that is having a really good time but I'm not necessarily like aiming to make a a comedy like that Uh I resent I resent anyone trying to make (laughs) me laugh or me trying to make anyone laugh but I'm also aware of the effect that things are having on me and the people watching it. So I like to have a good time. That's really all I can say. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to make anyone feel anything. I'm just trying to have a good time. (laughs) I know it's, it's so awful. um, Like going out, uh, like I'm saying, Oh, I'm making this film, you know, like this is, um, I'm setting out to do this and, I don't know. That's corny as fuck. Yeah, like if you were to go out and say this is a comedy, that immediately sets up the audience to be like, oh yeah, let's see. Let's <laughs> yeah, see how yeah, funny. It's like a, it's a Do you want to talk about your your film label really quick? Sure. Yeah, it's called Simulacra Pictures, and there uh, there's really nothing to say about it. It's very small. Like, what are your hopes to achieve with with the label? Man, well, I would love to to collaborate with other companies and make things that are are bigger. I just I didn't really want to use my my personal name on some of my projects, um, and I wanted to set up a just a, on the business side of things. I needed to set up an LLC for tax reasons so it was I, it's just a way of me trying to sort of establish my short films and, and my commercials under a, a small group of people I have just a couple assistants I have a graphic designer and I have one producer and me and it's just making the things that you see I'm obviously yeah. like the director of most things but as a as a whole it's it's simulacra and yeah. we'd love to to do things with 
bigger productions that are currently in the works. Doc, yeah, doc, that's, doc. I, mean, it's great. I, I was super excited to see that like that was something you were starting. I was like, oh, awesome. I'm so I'm so glad. Like I feel like I found the perfect name for it, which was really the last thing to do. And where did the name come yeah. from? I was actually in a meeting. I was doing um, videos for that girl, Wise Blood. And oh, sure. about before COVID, we were having a meeting about doing a new video. And she said that she wanted there to be a simulacra version of herself in the video. And I said, what the fuck is that? I've never heard of that. But it just means like a representation of something. Right. Like a false. And all movies really are are representations of something. Yeah, I had a so short It was called what? I had a short film called Simulacrum. So when you named it that, I was like, oh, oh that's I, so I cool. Know, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. That's great. Yeah, I, it's a, I love that word. And I had never heard it before. And it just seemed to suit exactly my quote-unquote philosophy about making things. It's just a reflection of of life basically yeah i'm so deep that way <laughs> all right everyone thanks for listening to this month's episode of synchronic cinema um you can keep up with the misunderstanding on simulacra pictures uh so we're all excited about that here at uh, dancing fireman pictures um, a lot of fun things lined up at Dancing Fireman Pictures that obviously I will be able to talk about in the next coming weeks. Uh, finalizing a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, a lot of exciting guests coming up. Uh, and Oh, also, if you're in LA and you're listening to this and you have uh, any access or connections to anyone um, in, living in a mobile park home, please uh, hit my line. I will pay you and I am very accessible to get in contact with. All right, guys. See you next month. Bye.